podcast. Well, it's 2.45 on Thursday, March 31st. Um, this is, uh, I guess, like one of my favorite days of the year because I can have professional sports broadcaster and soon-to-be professional dad, Matt Melzak, on. Now, um, I, I got a couple of things to pass along before we have uh, Matt on. And we've done this um, last couple of years, right before. Um, it's a great time to talk to Matt because he does both the walleye games and the mud ends games. And um, we're getting ready for a walleye playoff run and the mud ends are about to start. So it's a great time to talk to Matt and I'm going to save you all the, the sports minutia for the very end of our conversation. Matt is not that long away from being dad with his great wife, Caitlin. Um, so he is ready for dad duty and we'll talk about that and how that's going to work with his, like he is headed towards a wild, like this is the busiest time of his year because he could be bouncing back and forth and he's going to, I'll let him explain to you how he's going to manage this. But there are times where he's doing two games in one day or rushing back from one city with the wall to do um, a hens game. So we'll talk about Matt being a dad and talking about how he's going to work all that out, the return of opening day, what it's like. Um, our hockey games compared to some other arenas in the ECHL. First up, you may you may or may not have seen uh, the announcement, and if you haven't, good. I hope you come here for things like this. The Glass City Pearl is a giant new boat that's coming from Connecticut and will be leaving downtown Toledo, heading out to the Lake Erie Islands, Putin Bay. A um, little over 100 passengers, glass everywhere. This thing was a party boat, and even if it wasn't, the first thing I thought of from... Going from the docks in Toledo on the Maumee out to Putin Bay is like, wow. Like I had to take a deep breath and I, I just envisioned the debauchery that will be happening. I don't know if you can drink on this boat. I haven't seen prices or anything like that yet. But now you have another option rather than what? Driving to Port Clinton and taking those two ferry options, the Jet Express. Now you can leave from down. Like I, I can just imagine. Um, let's say you do Sunday brunch, go to a Mud Hens game, then afterwards... Uh, head out to the islands or something uh, in reverse. Uh, you get up, do some coffee at Maddie and Bell's or somewhere downtown, head out to the islands, sober up, come back, go to a Mud Hens game, then do downtown. <sighs> Just don't drink too much out of the islands. So there will be some incredible times on that boat. That boat will have stories and it should not feel like it's going to be missing any kind of party environment from where it's coming from to where it's going to. Um, I thought I, I have never had a tweet go really, really viral. I think I got like several hundred likes when I posted a couple of years ago when my dad had befriended squirrels and there was like a squirrel lounging in front of my dad, uh, like splayed out. It got, it got some viral love, but nothing else. And I, uh, I tweeted something and then I went back and saw that there was criticism of the person, the person's opinions who I had written a tweet about. So I added a thread and let me go through that and I'll try to make it quick and not too confusing. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the five greatest basketball players in the history of the NBA. In fact, I think a couple of years ago, he was here, either here or virtually. I know he did an event for the library. Because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was known as Lou Alcindor, one of the greatest college basketball players ever, obviously. Well, if you're a great NBA player, you're probably a great college player. Went to UCLA where they won like every game for 
how many ever years in a row, changed his name, was drafted by the Bucks, changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I don't know the reasons behind that, but you know how athletes are like, I don't want to play here anymore? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was one of the first to do that, and uh, that's why you probably know him more as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the Laker. He wanted he wanted to leave Milwaukee and go to a bigger market. Um, one of the greatest basketball players ever is now, I think, one of the great thought leaders of our time. When he speaks, I listen. When he spoke about the Will Smith situation... I listened and I and I just said what I said in, in a tweet. Great basketball player, incredible intellectual and thought leader. And then uh, a great many people in the black community, many with check marks next to their tweets. So great thinkers as well. And and I mean that, not people who just get a blue check mark because they're famous. We're like, hold on, Kareem. This is like kind of like an old black person's thinking of we need to we need to be careful of how we act for how other people view stereotypes. Exactly like what I said the other day to Alex. Um, the only reason I don't think this was staged, the Will Smith thing, was because I don't think people, black men would want to come off like that where Al and rural wherever would go, see, they're resorting to violence. I read the criticisms of Jabbar's words and I saw how that was wrong. Um, I, I wish we were at a time where People of whatever gender, sexuality, ethnicity, cultural culture didn't have to worry about how other people who are ignorant view them and want to put them in stereotypical corners. I'll say this part, though, and I put this in some tweets and in the blog, ericchaseblog.wordpress.com. Uh, beyond the 419, some blog posts, and the 419 is everyday news that's happening here. I do agree uh, with with uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's sentiment that we'll probably didn't have to defend Jada because his view of her is what mine is. That is a strong, powerful woman, certainly not a person, regardless of gender, that I would ever want to mess with. And look, we can nitpick this thing. Um, Will did something very he, he, emotional. He unraveled. Um, and I don't want to get too much into it, but for as visceral and as simple as what he did, people are very complex. And I don't think Will was certainly thinking, I'm a black man and I can't go smack him or or I need to defend my... my. There's a lot of... It's so complex. So complex for such a, a simple act. Uh, but I do agree with Jabbar's sentiments about Jada being the woman that she is. Um, and like I've said for a couple days now, the best thing that Will could have done, and it is hard to make smart decisions when you are emotional. And remember, Chris Rock hit that big red button of Will's. Um, it's hard to do the smart, rational thing when you're moved to irrational feelings. Uh, instead of slapping Chris Rock, he could have slapped his feet on the floor, grabbed Jada and said, we're out of here. We are not going to continue to fit uh, to feed this dying beast that is the the Oscars, regardless of me being nominated. Like, we're getting out of here. We're not doing this. Or what I tell everybody else when it comes to trolls and bullies, ignore them. Ignore, ignore, ignore. But we'll do that, and that's why we're here talking about it. Although Daniel Radcliffe had a great quote today, and I'll try to paraphrase that. Somebody asked him what he thought. He's like, there are enough opinions out there. I don't have to add mine because this thing has continued to live for days. And at the end of it, this is why I don't get into celebrity things, why I always kind of like rude whenever we would have to do celebrity news on one of the morning shows or whatever, because it's so vapid and empty and we are so far detached from those people. At the end of the day, it was one rich dude making a joke 
about about a couple other rich people and a rich person smacking that rich person. So let me welcome in a guy who was a friend. I'm so excited for him and his wife uh, to be parents and, and big brother Booter. Um, and I promise the sports minutiae is at the end of today's episode. Matt Melzak from the Walleye, the Mud Hens, and from Caitlin. Um, is that a, is that, w- what jingling do I hear? Is that my boy Booter? Yeah, that is. That's him. So let's get to the reason why I wanted to have you on. How does Booter feel about being um, a big brother? I I think he hasn't realized it yet. <laughs> In he reality. He hasn't figured out his mom is three times the size she was seven months ago? I, I think he slowly is figuring out, like, why is she sleeping on the couch more? <laughs> and why am I getting the full size of the bed here? Like, uh, I... I think he figures some of that stuff out. But then again, I look at him and I'm sure he's going, this is great. There are all these blankets <laughs> on the couch all the time. I'm, I'm living the high life now. Um, I, uh, I don't, I don't get like all anxious. Like when I get a, we need to talk text. Like I don't, I, I, I can reason through it. But when you texted me and said, did you say something on the air? I might've, I might've needed to go to the bathroom a little bit. I was super concerned that I was, I shouldn't have said anything. No, no, no. You were fine. And, you know, obviously it's been public for quite some time that Caitlin and I are going to have a child. And, uh, you know, we're we're looking forward to it. And, and I think it's been great. And, you know, the support has been awesome. And uh, I can't wait to, uh, to have her here. And, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, professional hockey broadcaster, professional um, baseball broadcaster, soon to be weeks away from being professional dad. Like, how are you feeling? You know what? I'm excited. I, I I mean, I know a lot of people say they get nervous and, you know, I'm a little nervous. I just want everything to be good. I want, you know, Caitlin to be healthy and our child to be healthy. And that's what I'm nervous about. But other than that, I, I, I'm excited to be a dad and I'm excited to go through that process and, and take that time to be, you know, a, a dad and, and go through and teach things and, and have a young child. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't find a better word than excitement. You said a little girl. Yes, we are having a little girl. Yeah. Congrats. Um, when, when is she doing? Have you picked out a name? Uh, we have a name uh, that is for Caitlin and I right now, okay. and okay. you know when the world will find out when she's here. But you know we're looking at the first week of May as the due date. Uh, so somewhere around there, we're we're about a month or so away. Oh my God, Matthew, not that anybody, because you are beloved by your employers, but oh my goodness, you're going to have the beginning of baseball season, You're, or hopefully you're going to have another playoff run, and you're going to have to go on dad duty, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a lot there. I will say that with having two sports going and traveling and, you know, and for me, not traveling... Because uh, I'm not going to go on the road uh, for a little while here, just you know, in case of anything could happen. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, we're in that window now where you know the baby could come any day, really. Right. Right. Uh, you know, you're after 35 weeks. It's possible that uh, you know she could be born any day. So, you know, I'm not going to go anywhere far uh, as far as travel is concerned, and. You know, we'll we'll kind of play it uh, day by day and week by week uh, just to see how how close we're getting. Uh, but yes, it is timing wise, <laughs> maybe not the best. 
but then again, I think I don't think you ever go, you know, hey, we can't do this right. because of the timing. Yeah, um, I'm glad you took that perspective. I remember um, years ago on the old morning show when when the idea of me having or not having kids would come up or the discussion was, and I remember somebody said to me, if you wait until you're ready to start the family, to have children, um, it's going to be too late and, and you're never actually ready for it. Like you can never, you know, sock away enough money. Um, it's just, I guess, the love and the excitement and then the the... the the human nature takes over to begin parenting a completely helpless, pooping, eating human. It, it really is. And, you know, Caitlin and I have been married. Uh, you know, we'll be going on our eighth year here later on this this year. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you look at how life kind of treats things for you when, uh, you know, I'm not going to say we've been heavily trying, but, you know, you're. You know, we've been on that kick for a few years of, okay, you know, if we have a child now would be fine. And, you know, you're as you said, you're never really ready. Uh, you're never really ready for the whole thing. But you can try to be in a spot where you feel like this is a good time uh, to do that. And it's it just kind of worked out. I, I don't know how, but, you know, my dad passed away last summer in July. I remember, I remember. And, and then basically the next quote-unquote window uh we ended up uh having a child and 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 getting pregnant so it makes you wonder those those things of did my dad say hey you know what i want to make sure that the the you know matt does have a child and you know he passed on and and he was huge into his grandkids and i you know i'm very sad about that that he's not going to get a chance to meet our daughter uh but you know, in a way, you know, you got to be happy that, you know, I'm sure he had a hand in it. And that's fantastic. Uh, if you don't want to reveal this, that's totally fine. Um, but you sound like me talking about when my mom passed and, you know, I named one of my dogs for her. It will will uh, her name honor your dad? Uh, a little bit. Okay. So we'll just we'll leave it at that. But a little bit. We we did think about a lot of different options of of how we could honor my dad and and you've been there you know what i'm talking about i mean it's it's actually making me a little sad thinking about it right now honestly just uh you know the fact that he's not going to be with us at that time and and i'm sure you felt the same uh going forward with losing your mom it's it's so hard to deal with and yeah. it just it bothers you all the time and you know you miss so much talking to them and being a part of them it's it is. It's very sad, and and I think uh, you know we have to find some way to honor him a little bit with that. All right. Well, we'll move on to happy things uh, again. Congratulations. I wish we could. I know we always say we should catch up more or podcast more, but you're super busy. Um, but you're always welcome. But um, all right. So the family stuff is out of the way. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk hockey first. Um, I really want another long playoff run because I've said some things. Um, I really wanted both Rockets teams to get to their tournaments because I've never, no one has ever experienced anything like that. I think Savage or, well, the town would have been buzzing, but you know this and you can explain it. There is nothing, nothing more electric in this city than even when it's a Wednesday night in May against South Carolina, but there is nothing more electric than a walleye playoff run at the Huntington Center. And I'm hoping for another one. No, you're 100% correct, Eric. It's, it is like nothing else. There is just no possible way to describe it. 
it's it, it the energy the atmosphere the electricity uh the the temperature just a, a and i'm not talking physical temperature i'm talking you know the temperature of fans and fanatics it it's amazing to me and 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 it just that thinking back to that 19 playoff run where we made it to the finals and you know at the end of the game five where we won to extend it to a, a sixth game and and send us back to newfoundland even though we didn't win the series but that was as loud and as enthusiastic i think i've ever seen people in this city and and i mean it's just amazing and you know i can only imagine what it would be like if it won yeah do they have another run like that in them this year i mean there's been there was so much turnover because of the, the lost season and i know watson had a lot of work to do and helped out a lot of guys and there's a lot of unfamiliar names this year because of mostly with covid stuff and roster turnover but another you know i would expect nothing less another you know uh, great team, first in the in the league to to clinch a playoff spot. Um, do they have another run like that in them? I, you know, I'd I'd love to say yes at all times, but you know, I, I want to temper everything because of how hard it is to win in the playoffs. And I think people need to remember that, like the the things that we had to have happen just to get to the finals that year. Uh, you know, think about it. Cincinnati was the best team during that regular season. They were a juggernaut. And we ended up having a schedule that was very conducive in the second round to us if we could win a game on the road. And we went down there and Pat Nagel was unbelievable in game one and we stole a game. And it put Cincinnati on their heels. Then we won two of the next three in Toledo to set us up where all we had to do was sneak out one more win down in Cincinnati. And you know what? When you have a great goaltender like Pat Nagel, and and that run, boom! All of a sudden, we got that win and moved on. And it, you know, in that series, nobody would have thought, okay, you know what, Toledo's a better team, and and maybe we weren't even the better team that entire series, but we had the better goaltender. And right. those things are so important. And we had a goaltender that was hot. And that's one thing that I would point to with Billy Christopoulos. I know he's up right now in Toronto in the American League, but expecting that he will be here in our playoff run, he's the kind of guy that. All of a sudden, one game, maybe we're getting outplayed. You're getting outshot 42 to 24, but you win the game two to one because he's phenomenal. And he turns in a 40 save performance. And he's the kind of guy that can do that. And when you get into the playoffs, those things matter. Now, consequently, we could run into that on the other side. Yep. You look at Fort Wayne's got a kid by the name of Samuel Harvey who's outstanding. And now he hasn't been great the last month or two, but early in the season, he was dynamite. You run into a guy like him, maybe he gets hot, and now all of a sudden you can't score, and you lose a series that maybe you shouldn't lose. So it's that it's just an amazing thing about hockey that we love about the playoffs, we hate about the playoffs. The best team doesn't always win. Nope. And and that's, that's what happened. Now, when Newfoundland won a couple years ago, they were probably the best team. They were the team that was had the best record. They were the best team overall, and they went and won. And that does happen. But how many years does the top team in the regular season win in any playoff round, in any playoff in sport? In any sport, yeah. Yeah. Um, let me uh, go back to uh, the electricity that we have here and, and the aesthetic. And we, we take it for granted. Uh, I, I don't think people take it for granted. They just don't know otherwise. Um, 
the the league has expanded a bunch. I think there's like 400 teams now in the ECHL. Um, <laughs> and I remember I read the story a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the was the backup goalie. He uh, was having a bad night, broke a stick, and then threw it into the stands. And he got suspended for I think four games, but it didn't hit anybody. Is that is that, is that correct? Yes, it is okay. correct. And you're you're talking about Caden Fulcher, and he actually didn't throw it in the stands. Okay. He was he was more upset. And it got caught in the net, and then as he yanked it out of there, it went out of his hand and ended up going up got over it. the glass. So it wasn't he wasn't like throwing it in there or anything. Good. It just it kind of was consequential that it happened that way. I I wanted to. It made me visualize. I think that when I tuned into a game, and I don't know if it was a playoff game or what, but I think they were maybe playing Reading, and there was no one there. Um, now that you and I'm guessing whatever wherever uh, they were playing during that that incident that I just referenced, there might not have been people there. People could have been hurt. Like if a stick goes into the stands at a walleye game, somebody's going to get hit because the seats are filled. Having gone through this massive league now, um, I don't want to say you probably respect our fans and, and the environment more, but tell people what it's like when you go other places and how different it is compared to what we have. You know, I think on the overall, I mean, we are certainly blessed here. There is no question about it. And there's a lot of nights where we have gone on the road and, you know, we'll have some smaller attended venues. And uh, what you're talking about is where that incident happened was Tulsa. And the night before, they had 11,000 people there. Big crowd. Uh, you know, it just happened that the night this happened, they only had four and it was, you know, or five or whatever. And it was, it's a huge building. It holds 20,000 people. So it's, you know, you get it, even a decent crowd sometimes can look smaller because of some of these venues that certain teams are playing in. And, and that's, that's not to their fault or anything. Just if they get a lot of concerts in, in a place like Tulsa, they do, they, they get a lot of 20,000 attended concerts. So they, they, that building's worth them having. It's just when they have hockey, they might only have two or three nights a year where they have 10 plus and it actually feels full. Got it. And that's and that's no fault of theirs. It's just the the state of where you're playing sometimes. I mean, we're blessed here to have such an unbelievable building that even when we have concerts, they can get ten thousand in there for a concert. But for us, we're we're probably maxing out in the eights, uh, the low eights. So uh, you know, it's it, but it gives you that intimate atmosphere that maybe in a bigger city you don't have. Uh, but yes, there are some buildings where, you know, it does it does feel like, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, sometimes a morgue, uh, you know, just because of the fact that you might only have, a you know, 2000 people in a building that holds 10. Yeah. And that just is going to be quiet. So uh, I think there's certainly that. But for the most part, I think the league has come a long way. You're right. You, you got some spots where, you know, on certain days, it's going to be tough to draw Wednesday night. I mean, we had a Wednesday night home game. We had, you know, just under 5000 that doesn't seem like wow that's a good night but for us on the average of 7400 a night that's a little low you know what i'm saying i think wednesday night 5000 night if if i was if i was napoli i'd take that because um, yes. we're so used to weekend games um thank you for that perspective um i we have all gotten back to better degrees of normalcy than we've been in in recent years and i have hit another milestone um, because coming up on, on April 5th is our opening day. And um, weather-wise, doesn't get any more normal than Drizzly Gray in 53 for opening day in Toledo. <laughs> you are correct. 
I, I got to chuckle a little bit because you're right. Uh, in the years that I've done baseball, going back to 2010 and, and made all the openers in that time, I can only think of one time we had, I think, a 70-degree and sunny day. 2018. Most of the, yeah, that, that's the one. Most of the time, it is what you said. It's like mid-50s and, you know, maybe a little gray, maybe a little drizzle, uh, you know, just something that, you know, we have to look at, I guess. I, I, we just, it is what it is when you're right. in northwest Ohio in April. Um, is so the I, I didn't even know I didn't even pay attention to. I mean, last year was really weird, but it had to sink in for a minute. I forgot that we called it AAA, and now the International League name, which I even think you know, casual fans of the Mud Hens will recognize. The International League name is back, right? Yes, it is back, uh, and I don't know what they're calling every division yet. I haven't I haven't looked too much into that, but I know the overall the International League is back, and I love the fact that they did that. And they should because it's name recognition. There's yeah. so many of these cities like Toledo that have been in the IL for so long. <laughs> you know, you you would you, you your fans recognize that, and it, I think I think Major League Baseball tried to do something different last year. I think it's. What we're seeing a lot all the time with the rule changes and the things they're doing, they're going to keep trying a lot of things. And I think last year they tried something different. They thought maybe this could work. And they realized, you know what, it's probably better off to go back to the way we kind of had it and do an international league. I think it's fantastic. Um, I was thinking about this this morning because Major League Baseball season opens up after uh, our opening day. Will the will the Tigers make their final roster before or after our opening day? Because the, the, there's probably a completely unsettled Mudhens roster at this point, and we're four days away from opening day. <laughs> and you are correct. Okay. It is, yeah, yeah. It's it's a tricky uh, situation there, but I do believe they will have their roster ready to go by this weekend. And you know, it's yeah, it's going to be a tight window. This will be a rarity because in years going forward, Major League Baseball will start before us, so it won't matter. It's just this year, just because of the fact they have the delayed start, uh, that we're going to have a tighter window. Normally, I think we would know our roster probably by now or be within a day or two of knowing it. I think we're probably not going to know till the weekend, which is fine. They, they need to you know do what they need to do. We're here for the big league club, too. Uh, you know, I know it's kind of weird to say that, but it is. I mean, you know, it's the farm system is to help the big league club. And, you know, so we have to be kind of beholden on what they want to do. And if they want to take all the way up to Tuesday and say, hey, here's your roster, then that's what we're going to have to deal with. Uh, all right. Uh, Matt and I are going to nerd out about baseball stuff and prospects and stats and all that thing. And I like to, we can pat ourselves on the back for a year ago when we did this. And we're like, Tigers aren't going to be dreary. And they were surprised that after a terrible start, they were pretty darn good baseball team for the last like 110 games. Um, I haven't heard anything. I'm guessing Riley Green will likely start with you guys. What about Spencer Torkelson? I think they're both. Uh, I think they're both in the mix. If you read what you know, uh, Al Avila said. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Uh, you know he's he's going to give them the opportunity to make the club, and and I think they're in that mix. They're still there, which gives them that opportunity. Still, not that anything they do really the next couple days is going to make or break that, but I think they certainly have that opportunity in front of them to be 
a major league club and you know, make the major league team right out of spring. And I mean, both of them, you look at Riley Green, Riley Green's got what, a 1.3 OPS in spring? Like the way he's tearing the cover off of it, I don't know how they can say no. Uh, but you're right. That's one spot. They do have a lot of outfielders. So if he's not going to play all the time, I could see them sending him here. Torkelson, on the other hand, look, you look at, they don't really have a first baseman, do they? On that roster, Cabrera? What's left of him, yes. Yeah. And, um, and the, uh, Lynn Henning, I think, made the point the other day that even though they're both playing really, really well and they're both about they could like like everybody at this prospect level they could be in the major leagues you know the tigers are in a different spot than where they were last year um and they're ready to win some ball games and, and maybe compete for a wild card i think lynn said there's a difference between torkelson even though they're at the same prospect level torkelson is older and more refined rather than riley green who was a kid out of high school and maybe some of that seasoning would be helpful you know 20 30 games with you guys I, you know, that that is a wonderful argument, really. It really is because of the fact that you got a college bat in Torkelson. He, he, he rocketed through three levels last year. He showed that he, he's certainly uh, deserving of a great opportunity to be an everyday player in the big league level. And, you know, you're right, Riley Green coming along. I thought he played great when he was here. Uh, you know, would I be surprised if, we saw both of them, yes. Would I be surprised if we saw just Green and Torkelson make the Tigers? Yes. Would I be surprised if both of them made the Tigers? Yes. I think you could go all the way down the line and say at any combination of them uh, that, you you know, I think, I think you would be, you know, surprised either way because that tells you that they're good enough to be there. And if the Tigers feel like they still need a little bit more seasoning, then boom, they start with us. So I think they're, I think they're certainly wild cards, and I think they could go either way yet on on whether they make the club or not. I I, I personally think that they, they probably both make it. I just I just feel like they're both playing so well. They just needed to see them go against major league pitching in this spring, and if they did well, they're going to make it. And they're both doing well. Yeah, I, I think there's no, there's no reason not to. This, this might this might sound nuts because. Sports fans are not known for their human beings are not known for their patience. Um, it was a bleak, I guess, what maybe five years, like really, really bad for Tigers fans. But it was about a decade or so of always in the mix, and there's really not much you can you can ask for. And as you know, I'm not a fan. Dave Dabrowski took his bad bullpenning ways up to Philadelphia, and uh, whatever. But the, the, I want to go to that example. Um, Relatively speaking, when it comes to success and then having to start all over, the Phillies are now uh, just behind the Mariners in teams that have have the longest playoff drought. It's it's been since 2011, I believe. Um, the Tigers and the Phillies have been trying to rebuild, and they've scuffled along. They've really botched a lot of draft picks. The Tigers realized, all right, we got Cambrera. It's time for Verlander to go. We're going to rip this thing down, and they have nailed all our picks, and they're right. They will, they will likely contend for a wild card this year. And relatively speaking, they rebuilt this thing. Um, I'm not going to say successfully, but they certainly seem to have hit their draft picks, and they're ready to be back in this quickly, more quickly than many people might have expected or predicted. Well, especially with the way they've gone about it, because you're right. They traded those guys. They traded away, you know, J.D. Martinez. They traded away Justin Verlander. 
they made some trades where they really haven't gotten a lot back. Yeah. And, you know, when you do that, you have to hit on those a lot of times if you're going to rebuild. Look at Baltimore. I think Baltimore is a great example because they they went downhill right about just before the Tigers did, right? So you look at Baltimore and how far away they still feel like they are. And it's because of the fact that, A, they didn't hit on any of their trades, and, B, they haven't really hit or had healthy enough guys out of their draft picks. Now, they're getting close, too, because, you know, Rushman's ready. Uh, They got some guys in the outfield that look like they're about ready. They got some infield prospects that are coming up that that look like they have a lot of talent. And this will be a big year in their minor league system on whether they close the gap and, and join the Tigers in that we're ready to start to go the next level. The, I'm going to tell you, but the, the tight, they're go not, ahead. They're, they're not. They're not at all. Um, uh, Rutschman's hurt, and the, the pitcher probably isn't ready. But you're right. They they haven't gotten enough talent, and that's a better example than the Phillies because the, the Orioles, especially in that division, are still three years away. The Tigers, you could conceivably say, will get a wild card this year and maybe contend for the division. And, next year, they did it right. And you know what, Eric, though? The reason why I like I liken them to the Orioles is they both started roughly the same time. Yeah. I mean, I remember Baltimore and Detroit played each other in the yep. playoffs right before yep. both of them started to you know, go the other way. But what the Tigers have been able to do so well, and you nailed it, is they've hit on their draft picks. And you've got to hit on something. They have hit on a lot of their high-end draft picks, guys like Riley Green, Torkelson, uh, Casey Mize, uh, Scooble was a mid-round pick or a later-round pick that that has really worked out for him and panned out great. A, you have to have the ability to hit on your draft picks, and you got to be able to develop guys, and they've been able to do that. They've been shrewd in some of their signings, and they've been shrewd in the Rule 5 when you look at Akil Badu, yeah. and that is what's put them on the map. Plus, they went and got a manager that can get it done. They They've done some smooth things that have covered up for the fact that they they missed when they traded away some big names. Yeah, I was um, not disappointed. Like, you know me, I root for, my, for um, my, my friends' teams, and I was very excited for my Tiger fan friends to watch all this develop and for everybody to see how, like you pointed out, how bright A.J. Hinch is. And then um, to put the icing on the cake a couple of weeks ago, I was like, damn. Like, I thought the Tigers, you know, if things break the right way, if guys blossom – the division is not unwinnable. The White Sox are not like somebody in the AL East, like the Rays or even an Astros. They they could win, and then and then uh, the Twins capped everything off by getting Correa. Now maybe the season won't work out the way they want to, but they made some really nice acquisitions, and the Royals will be a thorn. Somehow the Guardians will pitch their way to 80-some wins. The division is going to be tough, but I was hoping Minnesota wasn't going to make some of the moves they had, and the Tigers could really get some, could really rack up wins in the division. I think that's going to be more challenging now. It might be the second-best division, no, maybe no worse than the third-best division in all of baseball. Uh, you could certainly make the case, and, and I would push for, I think as the, the year goes on, it could, it could bump into the second-best division in baseball because of the fact that every team is going to be very competitive this year. I love what the Royals are doing. I think the Royals are, they have so much talent, especially in the pitching side and with some of their hitters that are certainly ready to go. That that's a, that's a team that is lookout is what I got, you know, for you in the next year to two. I think they're within that couple years of really being very competitive. I think they, they might blossom right at the same time as the Tigers do to the top part of the division. Uh, Chicago's obviously the best team right now. 
Uh, but the Twins are going to push, I think. The Twins, they need some good starts out of some yeah. guys. Guys like Miguel Sano, they've got to have him hit in April, which he's never done, because they need to get off to a good start. Otherwise, they're going to be treading water, and they'll be in the same boat they were in last year. And I can't I can't think of one of their starting pitchers either. That The offense can be loaded, led by Correa and some others, and if Buxton stays healthy, I can't name a single starting pitcher for Minnesota. That's kind of pathetic on my part. Well, it's interesting that they traded away Barrios last year right. to add some prospects and to kind of reload a little bit. And then they turned around and they're they're trying to bring in guys. I think they just recently signed Chris Archer to to maybe yes. jump in there and be their fifth starter. Uh, so yeah, they've got they've got some interesting uh, questions there on the starting staff for sure. They've got a solid bullpen though, and they've got an offense that should be able to destroy. So we'll see what uh, Minnesota does, but they could be in the same boat again where they might get to the middle part of the year and go, man, we got to start dumping guys again because it hasn't worked. Yeah, I I love the the Correa thing was utterly fascinating to me. I think I read a note that said um, since he left his agency, and I think he signed with Boris, um, whatever new deal he had, some of his old agency was going to get some of that money, and that might have pushed him to the shorter deal because the shorter deal is baffling from my perspective of that's a that's a big dude with back problems and I thought that was going to push him to signing the biggest longest deal he could um so shrewd on on Minnesota's part because you're right like what's the sense of trading Barrios if you're just going to go out and throw what is a still a pretty big deal at Correa and some others so it's it's interesting but they've always been a, a smart organization and they've been able to remain competitive while rebuilding and also winning at the same time you know I found it very interesting that he chose to sign there in the first place and I think Minnesota was probably sitting there going you know, at, at at one point they were probably like, "Well, this guy hasn't signed. This is ridiculous. Why not us? Like, like yeah. why wouldn't we just sign him then? Like, I think they were probably already prepared to. Okay, we're going to go younger here. You know, might be a bit of a rebuilding year, kind of a bridge year for us. And then they're like, "Well, nobody signed Correa." Like, I think a lot of people thought once he didn't sign before the lockout, when the lockout ended, oh, he's just going to sign back with Houston. You know, they just probably, people assume that. And then Minnesota's like, well, you know what? We'll make an offer. And then sure enough, he signs there. That's what I think. I I think they went, because you look at all their moves after signing Correa is we're in. Right. We're in to win. And it was once Correa signed. I don't know if they were really even sure that he would sign with them, but they thought, hey, why not? Let's take a shot at it. He's the best player available. And sure enough, he signs. And now it's like, oh, okay, well, now we need to try to win. Let's go. And you, like you said, if they're out of it, and it's going to be tougher these days with the extra playoff spots, they have immediately, barring a, a catastrophic season or an injury from Correa, you have the very best trade chip in a long, long time. And whatever they're paying him, $35 million, where you can actually go to another organization and say, no, 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 we're not doing this like B prospect and like three fortune cookies. You're giving me like a Bobby Witt type player. Not that they would trade him to the Royals, but that caliber of prospect because you're getting Correa and he's got some years left in that contract. It's it's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, I do too. And it, it's sad that he's coming to the division because as a Tigers I fan, I'd, I'd rather he didn't. I'd rather he had gone to the yeah. NL, really. 
but uh, that didn't work out. So now it's going to make for a fun summer. And I, I think there's, I think, I think the Tigers could go either way. I, I saw some projections. I saw, I think baseball prospectus uh, had them at 66 wins. Mm. I'm like, man, over. come on. They won 77 last year. Yeah. They got to be better than that. And I think they're going to be in that 80 win category again and, yeah. and maybe surprise. Or, you know what? If things don't go the way they were hoping, then yeah, they could end up in that mix. But, I have a feeling they're going to be in that 80 to 85 win category this year. And, and I think there's, I think you could have a lot of teams in that division in that spot. Yeah. Kind of like uh, the NL central has been for some years outside of, I mean, even when the pirates were a pretty good team in the middle of the last decade where everybody is between like 79 and 86 or 87 wins. Like that's, that's how I foresee the AL central playing out. But I, I have one last question for you. Um, is it 6,000 games for, uh, for Weber? Yeah, it's coming here in April. There's been a little discrepancy, so he's uh, he's doing a recount. Okay. I think I don't know if he's counting all six thousand, but I think he's he's trying to uh, figure out when the exact day is uh, that he's going to hit six thousand games. But he is going to hit it in the month of April, and uh, it's amazing. A legend, a legend indeed. Um, does he want a big to do about it? I mean, there's already been several ceremonies for milestones he's passed in recent years. How's has he feel? I mean, six thousand is a massive number. No, he doesn't want anything like that. He'd rather we just said, oh, hey, it's game 6,000 for you. Right. Good luck. You know, we'll see you at seven. But, you know, for him, you know, he doesn't want to do that. But obviously, you know, we want to do something. And and he's going to have to, you know, bite the bullet a little bit and say, you know what? I got to go on the pregame show. I got to talk about 6,000 wins and or games. And I got to, you know, I, I might have to do an interview or two as well. Maybe the only thing will be is like, get, like get him a nine inning game so he can get over to the Dirty Bird and have a six thousandth celebratory beer and call it a night. Right. Um, thanks for the time. Good luck with everything. I'm extremely happy for you and Caitlin uh, and the Animal Crew. Uh, big brother Booter. I'm glad he has not seemingly had any medical issues. I know he was fighting through some things. So um, a lot of people have had a tough couple of years. You have made the most of it. You're you're not going to take the baby on the motorcycle, right? Uh, no, not anytime soon. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just ride, uh, I'll just ride on my own for a while, but yes, I'll, I'll hold her off for years. I think I can, I can only see you be getting a little too eager and Caitlin ripping your head off for putting the baby on the motorcycle. But Oh yeah. She would probably, I don't think she, you know, she'd love the fact that I'm riding motorcycles, but I think she would frown upon that one. Yes. Could the, uh, just uh, uh, not an April fool's joke, but like you could freak her out one morning by putting the car seat on the back of the motorcycle, uh, like get her groggy one Saturday morning and that'll wake her up real fast. Oh man. Uh, you know, I may wait until, uh, we're, <laughs> we've had the baby first, you know, uh, I, I think that's smart with, uh, you know, the third trimester as she's going through. Right. Um, all right. Good luck with everything. Um, hopefully the while, while I'll get on another run and, if if I can track you down sometime during that, we'll do this again in a couple of months, but I know you're going to be swamped. you got a professional dad duty is on now. I love it, man. Thank you for the time as always, Eric. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. I hope we get to do it again sooner than later. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know if I'll be in the game on Tuesday, but uh, if I'm in the ballpark, I'll try to track you down, okay? Sounds good. That'd be great, right, man. Take care, dude. I'll talk to you soon. All right, see ya. Bye.